And it's not unlike your life or my life. That sometimes Jesus will speak to us correctively. Sometimes we'll be encouragingly. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. So what we're going to do, and we've been asking, we've asked, we encourage people to pray this prayer. Go back to, I'm sorry. That Jesus reveal yourself to me. Um, and then the, every church, now go to the next one, Chad. Every one of the seven churches, when we read those passages, seven different passages, every single message of Jesus to those people ended with this phrase, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. So Jesus, over and over, it seems as if, and I think it's true, what's really important to Jesus is that we listen to what he's saying and be responsive to that. So what we're going to do today, I've asked uh, three different people. They're going to come up one at a time. So the, the whole sermon today is going to be what I'm going to call a conversational interview with three different people around the question, what has Jesus been revealing to you? All right. So uh, first one's going to be Matt Corey. I think I saw him out here somewhere. And these are all ordinary people from ordinary town of Bloomington, Indiana. And I don't mean ordinary in a derogatory way. But um, he's a compliment. Ordinary. Is that one on, Anthony? Okay, good. Is it on now? All right. So, uh, first of all, uh, this is ordinary Matt. No, I'm just kidding. But we don't know really. I, what we said, we say before. What, what I've said before is, this is a church for ordinary people who want to understand how to follow Jesus and have extraordinary things happen to our lives. So I, I'm saying that because a lot of us come from the mentality of, well, God doesn't speak to me. I don't have any special pedigree. I don't have. I'm not a missionary. I haven't studied the Bible very much or whatever else. I'm not religious. Jesus speaks to every single person who will listen to him. I don't care if you're educated, uneducated, tall, short, male, female, old, young, religious, non-religious. Jesus will speak to you if you, if you tell him you'll listen to him. All right, so that's why we're, I want to hear that. So uh, this is Matt Corey. Um, did I spell your name or is it two R's? That's right. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. Um, and tell us... Uh, I th- you were up front a few weeks ago when I asked a couple questions, but tell everybody here, what brought you to Bloomington? What do you do here? I, uh, I'm a middle school teacher, a uh, special ed teacher, and I came here in 2004. Uh, I have coached the uh, girls' tennis team at South for six years and still am involved in coaching. Um, the, uh, I, I was married at the time when I moved to Bloomington. I'm currently not. I, I have a little boy who's three and a half. I grew up in the Philippines. Um, and your little boy is adopted from Ethiopia. Ethiopia. So if you've seen Matt Kerr's little boy on his shoulders occasionally. Um, and Matt just mentioned, and this is just to kind of open, make sure we're open. You know, he mentioned he'd been married and uh, about, what, a year? A year or so ago your divorce was yeah. final and it was hard. And it, it, I didn't tell you I was going to ask this, but go back. What, what, what did God tell you through that? What did he reveal to you through that? The... Uh, it is kind of funny. I feel like there are times in, our, in, in my life where there are, there are moments where I'll be driving or whether it'll just be something that resonates in my head. And I, I remember I started coming to Exodus about this time last year, I guess first part of October. And uh, I remember going through a pretty just – I've, I've had a relatively easy life. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a country that was third world country, but I had more than I'd ever needed – and that's always been the case. Always, you know, had a good supportive family. Always wondered why I hadn't hurt. And uh, so I was, I was really knocked on my butt. And just, uh, I remember just having that, 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 I think God telling me, you know, you need to hurt during this time. And uh, 
And it wasn't like God was inflicting the hurt. No, but it, it was, you know, I, I realized the thing that kept on coming back to me is my understanding of God as my healer is how he's healed me. My understanding of, of God as my provider or as my leader, as uh, my comforter, is all in my, through my experience. Because I grew up as a missionary kid. I can spit it with the best of them. <laughs> but my understanding with a direct connection to be able to, to relate to other people and to understand, I, I, I feel like the, the, that I'm okay in the area of compassion, but I still could not connect because I had not experienced a lot of those things. So God's just saying, during this time, hurt and let me carry Let you. me be your healer. And, uh, and, and now I'm on the other side of that. Okay, okay. Um, and what, what's, what's God saying to you lately? What's Jesus been saying to you lately? I mean, not, not necessarily just the last seven weeks, but the last, this last season of your life. You know, that's um, the, the last year or so, the divorce was final. You're kind of a whole new season. You're trying to figure out what's God saying. So what, what do you feel like Jesus has been saying to you lately? For, for, for several years, I, I farmed as well as teaching and coaching, and, and I, I had absolutely no time. And so this last year, I've had to kind of revisit, you know, who, who am I? What do I like? When did, when did I ever feel alive? And uh, which is kind of a question I think that I should always be able to ask myself. Um, and so, you know, growing up in the mission, on the mission field in, a, in another country, I always wanted to go back and be in another country. Um, and currently, you know, I have a three-year-old and, and that won't be, that is not possible full-time. But I, I, I've ran across the website of uh, my charity water that deals with... Uh, you know, getting clean water to, to different countries in Africa and, and South America. And then, uh, you know, I, I talked to Matt a couple of weeks ago about his trip, and I thought, you know, the, the whole clean water thing would take a whole new education on my part. And then I thought I was driving to school, and, and I had to really get myself amped up uh, because I, I work with a lot of mis- uh, behavior and emotional uh, kids. And so I was on my way, and, and God said, you already have what you need. Okay, now stop right there. God said that. Was that a voice? Was that an impression? Again, how do you know it was God that said that? <laughs> well, I, 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 that's a good question. Um, I, I know there's a yeah. glass in that question. Well, even the, like, I, I hope it, that doesn't come across either as, as arrogance. Or no, no, it I, did. I, it I, did. I, I hear God, you know. Um, but I, I, I feel like it's... Well, a, and that's, that's really the challenge of that is often... Uh, it feels that way, but if you... It, it, but it's like, no, it doesn't... That's the nature of relationship. If, like, if you're in a relationship with somebody, family member, husband, wife, it's natural to have conversation. So it's natural to have conversation with God. But a lot of people don't like, well, how, what did that feel? How did you know it was God? Well, it, well so when, when we talked, I, I, I've been reading a lot of books on, on child soldiers in Africa, and, and I'm trying to apply that in my classroom and, and uh, refugees. And, and so when I, when I talked to him, you know, he was telling me about the trip, and I thought, I wonder if they have sport. And then it was like that question came in my head, and then it was... And, you're, and you don't know whether it was random or not. I, 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 I don't know, but it, all of a sudden I just had this well in my soul that was just... I, I mean, I, I, I kind of skipped into school, and I, I just could not wait to hear from you. And then it kind of went... You know, I ended up meeting with somebody this week who, who has people in over 70 countries that deal with sporting countries. And so... So to some degree, if I can paraphrase what you're saying or put words in your mouth without putting words in your mouth, is sometimes uh, you know it's the voice of God or you at least should wonder heavily 
if, if some thought comes to mind, you read something on the internet and read a book, and something in you kind of jumps, kind of like, wow, this, this excites me. I mean, sometimes it's a passion in you that kind of like, it kind of freeze frames the moment for a second, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My ears are open, right? This, maybe this is God talking to me. Is that kind of what you would say would happen? It was kind of those I, moments? I, I would say that that, that that would probably be a good, a good descriptive. I, I think also, you know, when my heart's pursuing and thinking about these things, it's, it's not out of, it's out of, I feel like, for what I know, is a, is a pure heart. It's not out of me being, you know, right now I'm called to be at Jackson Creek, you know, but is there really a place that, that God wants to use me? And I, I, I'm really trying to be open to what, what does that look like and am I willing to? And uh, is that, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know what that's going to lead to, but I, I just am trying to make that habit of asking myself that question. Where do I need to be? What do I need to be doing? And am I really willing to, to let go and follow and obey, which is a really scary question. Yeah, because if I'm convinced that God will, he'll talk to any of us if he knows we'll do what he asks us to do. And that's, how, that's a big if. And so in your case, it's kind of like, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I got this son, so, you know, God, you know, my, you know my circumstances. So if you know what you can ask me to do, that I can work around this. I, so. I think, uh, I don't know if this is, I was talking to a Steve Connor, yeah. and I don't know if it's your quote or his, or it's somebody's quote, but uh, he said, you probably, know. Probably God's uh, initially somewhere. <laughs> what was it? Live, live well and do what you like. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was something that it went, when, I think it was like Martin Luther. Okay. Or something. It was somebody that so said, it wasn't no, somebody, you. no, somebody way, way back that was okay. like, you know, uh, live well, live, you know, follow your passion and then do what you want because God will speak to your passion. I'm within, you know, not do what you want in the fleshly sense, but right. well, do that, what makes I, you come alive. Do and, what makes you come alive. And that, that's kind of what I've been, that's kind of my go, you know, how I try to discern whether or not, you know, whether or not it, that is of, of, you know, God or not. And, and it's kind of wild because I've, I feel like I've had all these different choices and sometimes I feel like God doesn't have one designated place he wants me to be, but he's given me the freedom to choose, and he, he wants to bless me, and he wants me to be alive. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Thank you very much, Matt. And uh, again, Matt, Corey, tell, what's your son's name again? Abe. Abe. Is Abe here today? He's here. Oh, he's not here today. Okay. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> you know, and uh, just, you know, too, some of you may wonder, um, there are other people who come to Exodus who have troubled marriages or even divorce and it's not like the scarlet letter of of rejection from god we understand that marriage and divorce often have way kind of complicating factors there's there's spiritual issues involved we're, we want to have conversations about that or talk so it, it's not the it's not the it's not the kiss of death spiritually again it's there's always complications there's spiritual factors involved we want to help people explore but if, if that's your background or if you know people that feel like they can never go to church. I had somebody tell me years ago, I'm divorced, so I should never, ever, ever take communion again. And I just said, I don't, why do you, who told you that? So, again, there's complications. There are always, there's issues and spiritual factors involved. So, anyway, uh, next person, Alan Meyer. Um, let me double check. Did I spell your name right? I'm always kind of, I, I never want to, I never want to. Spell somebody's name wrong and then find out they were hurt and upset. Uh, this is Alan. Um, uh, Alan, why don't you tell us what brought you to Bloomington well, and then uh, how long you've been in Exodus? There are more of you here than I thought. Um, <laughs> I, we've been here about 14 years, and I am an endodontist. And wait a minute, stop. Who knows what an endodontist does? 
It's because you've been to one lately? <laughs> All right. No, what do you, what do, you do? If you have a toothache, I'm your man. Yeah. Root, root canals. Yeah, so, you know, he's the guy who puts um, shots in your mouth and yanks things around. I'm sorry. Not me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, so time flies. Yeah. And, what, um, and uh, how long have you been in Exodus? I was trying to remember that last night, and I think it's probably between four and five years. If okay. it jives with your memory. Okay, and then just real quick, introduce uh, what family my, of yours is here today. My wife Angie is here. Angie, why don't you wave your hand there? Okay. My youngest son Chris is a junior okay. at Lighthouse. Okay. I have another son Tim who's uh, um, 19. He's uh, doing. He's working at a kind of a Bible college in Colorado right now for a year. And my oldest son Daniel is a junior at Taylor okay. University. Okay. Okay. So. Um, <clears throat> Little known thing, if you don't know Alan well, he's a huge Lord of the Ring fan. As a matter of fact, yes. in a couple of weeks yes. before The Hobbit comes out, on Saturday, December 8th, he's already got a ticket at the local, yes. one of the local uh, theaters. You can watch all three Lord of the Rings for $25 yes. starting at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And do they have lunch breaks and dinner breaks? They better. Okay, yeah, okay. So Alan sent me an email with the link. He's already got his ticket. So if you're into a Lord of the Rings 13-hour-a-thon, yes. are they the uncut version or the cut versions? The extended version. They are the extended versions. Yeah. So, okay, so that's December. Life is good. Okay, life is good. So uh, if you want to you want to go there, you'll see Alan probably in the front row. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Crying. Um, yeah, crying. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, uh, no, it, what's interesting, though, it's interesting, Alan and I, we, we talk regularly, and it's interesting how often some of our, the, the stories that move you in life, like in this case, it's the Lord of the Rings, mirrors a lot of things that God's doing in your own story. So I'm, I, I'm not saying that God works through movies, but sometimes God, the very thing that draws you your passion is probably because you see yourself in that story in your spiritual struggle or your spiritual life, so... Um, I won't tell you which character he is, but <laughs> no, no, anyway, no. <laughs> so anyway, what's Alan? What's it's not what's, an orc? That's yeah, only a he's not an orc. Yeah, yeah, he's not an orc. So don't get <laughs> what, what's God been? What's Jesus been revealing to you lately? What's he been saying to you lately? Well, when he when I sense that he's getting my attention or something, it's usually he a, a verse of scripture pops into my mind, and when it normally wouldn't, you know, it just oh man, where did that come from? And I was even sitting here this morning while you were singing, and I admit I wasn't paying complete attention to the words, but the, a verse popped into my mind uh, in First John. It says, um, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And I think what that, you know, in my life, that if I'm looking at God, there's no darkness. It's when I flip around and put him at my back, and I'm trying to see what, out there that the light's shining on that I don't I don't see it very well um, that's when I kind of get in trouble and he what he did recently meaning last night uh, <laughs> I kind of I just found these couple verses in scripture that don't seem to go together and yet in to me it's like oh maybe there's something there I need to pay attention to um, would you like to know what they are yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me stop yeah. for a second too, and just uh, give a, a, a general background yeah. to Alan's story. Just Alan, his family. There's some stuff in their background, not their fault, but very painful. That that Alan, his wife, they've had to work through some stuff with God, not their fault, but very painful stuff that he's trying to, that they've been working through, and and. Uh, uh, 
I believe Alan has a, in this, what Jesus talks in, in Matthew, a good and noble heart. He's trying to understand what does God want me to, how do I bring healing to myself, to my family through all of this? So I, I wanted to frame that a little bit because I, I don't know if your verse has anything to do with that. But No, well, the first one, the first verse comes out of Ecclesiastes. And if you've ever wanted to know a Bible character who needed Prozac. Do <laughs> you do that too? Yeah. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, anyway, Ecclesiastes 3.11, and you've probably heard this verse. He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And at the same time, I've been thinking about a verse that's, uh, uh, well, if I were stranded on a desert island and I could only take one chapter of the Bible with me, it would be Romans 8. Uh, if you haven't read that or read it lately, read it out loud to yourself sometimes. Mm. But the last four verses are, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, hmm. for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And he was quoting a psalm there. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons... Never doubt the reality of angels and demons. Uh, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, I'm prone to have kind of a melancholy temperament. And <clears throat> I've spent probably far too much time in my life struggling with the whys, uh, you know, with my own and with the world in general. And so this may be more toward you melancholics than, than anybody. Um, but I've been overly concerned with the part about the sheep being slaughtered. You know, it just doesn't sound real appealing. I don't get it. And, huh. you know, why did the Lord allow this? Why doesn't he change that? You know, he sees that all things will be beautiful in their time. But I'm running out of time, you know. And I want to see what's going on. And you kind of like God hit the fast forward button. Yeah, Just say, like, let's come get on, can there. we see the ending here? You know. Um, anyway, what the Lord has been patiently reminding me of is, you know, the bigger story about that passage in Romans that nothing can separate me from Christ's love. And He says all through the Scriptures, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's not talking about circumstances. He's talking about a promise that he made that he will not break. And it doesn't matter what we face, we won't be there by ourselves. Unless we're on an airplane with turbulence. And then it says, lo, I will be with you always. Anyway, and so it's, I think it's okay to spontaneously ask God why, you know, when something bad happens. But... It's when you get in that habit of saying why with an accusatory, you know, lilt in your voice, you know, kind of shaking your fist. That's when you can easily fall into a trap, or at least I can. And, you know, when, I was, um, when Satan convinced Eve to sin, uh, you know, he did by planting, you know, by planting a seed of doubt about God's character. That's all he did. Did God really say X, you know? And... He was, he was, you know, he said, he's holding out on you. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. And the thing is, if the enemy can do that 
to someone who was surrounded by bliss and had never experienced anything other than total joy, huh. um, how easy it is for him to plant that seed in our minds, you know, that doubt. And <clears throat> I have made probably a common mistake of interpreting God's character through the lens of my own circumstances instead of the reverse. You know, getting, you know, what I want to do is fix my idea of God to interpret my circumstances. And huh. I, I always think that if I could understand what God is up to, that would somehow make it easier. You know, like you said, hit the fast forward button. But, but God doesn't explain, you know, and that's where faith comes in. He says, you know, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the most important key to peace, in my mind at least, and is for all that, <clears throat> is, is to get in my mind once and for all that God is infinitely sovereign and infinitely loving and good. And from our earthbound, timebound perspective, we sometimes have a problem reconciling those two. Well, because that's what, you know, you, okay, in your head, God is sovereign, God is good. Sovereign meaning he's always in charge and control, but yet even in spite of knowing that to be true, there's parts of you that want to cry out to God, why did you let X, Y, Z happen? Right. Why, if you're sovereign, why couldn't you just flip the switch back then? So then those moments, how do you... Well, and the, and the other thing, the, the, the kicker is that that's when the enemy is whispering in your ear, you know, see, I told you, he doesn't care. He He's left, holding out he on you. He left you hanging. And by the way, the main reason, it's you're a, you're a hopeless screw-up. You know, it's so your fault. It's, it's your fault. fault. Yeah, you know, and the people that are commended all through the Bible are not the ones that didn't screw up, but the ones who never lost their unshakable hold on God's character. Um, and I won't give you examples. You know them all. But, you know, basically he loves me. He loves you. Um, it's so easy to take for granted even Christ's death. Uh, because the enemy whispers, well, that's old news. You know, what's he done for you lately? And huh. I mean, that's the, the key issue in all of history. And, and yet sometimes we just casually, accidentally, unthinkingly move it to the back of, of the line. And, and we're prone to listen to that voice rather than the Holy Spirit who says he's praying for us constantly, even when we don't even know what to pray for. So the struggle is really the today, the now, is God with me now? Yeah, okay, 2,000 right. years. Yeah, Jesus died right. on the cross. I don't mean this irreverent, yada, yada, yada. Right. But what right. today? I want to know, Jesus, are you with me today? You did that for me then. Are you still with me today? Are you still fighting for me? Because, because we live in our five senses. Yeah. And so much of what is truly real, as you said in your opening prayer, is, is bigger than that. It's the unseen world. It's all those things that can't separate us from the love of God, but do have an influence on us. And... I was recently, Angie showed me a, a good definition of worship a little while ago, and it said it's the outpouring of a soul at rest in the presence of God and the overflow of a grateful heart under a divine sense of favor. And, you know, in my mind, that reconciles those two things of infinite sovereignty, infinite love, and, you know, that's kind of where I want to live. And when I get in trouble, it's when I forget that. Or I, I let the circumstances of the day get into me and, and blur that big picture. And uh, like I said at the beginning, my problem is I'm thinking of the big picture a little too often, probably. Yeah. And, and just, but, but when it comes, 
you know, when, when that sense of peace comes or he says, you know, you're doing all right, you know, it's okay, I'm here, yeah. I'm not leaving you. Um, you know, that's, that's what I long for, that's what is so comforting. And, and I admit that, you know, those have been more frequent lately, you know, that comfort, and I'm grateful for that, really. So. You know, um, I'll say this, and, and uh, one of the things that's true of Alan and Angie, I, I know more of Alan in conversation, but I know their story together. Um, and I say this honestly, they have, been re- they have been very good stewards of the pain in their life. That may sound kind of weird to say that, but they've, the cards that, that have been dealt to them, I'm not saying God does not inflict pain on people in the sense of just, just as for your own good, go get hurt. But uh, the way they've handled, the way they are handling um, the pain that, that they've, they experience by no fault of their own in life, they've been really good stewards of it. And uh, I've, I'm, I've been more and more impressed with Alan and Angie and how they're processing things and, 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 and trying to wrestle with God about things in really human, honest ways. And I know there's times Alan... You know, thinks he goes into kind of self pity party, but he is. They don't live there. I mean, I think they they go there occasionally because you have to stop at that house occasionally and kind of go in that. But but it's not about a pity party. It's about you know how do you become more than conquerors? How do I how do I have strength? And there's a strength in Alan and Angie, and I, I'm I'm not going to necessarily make an invitation for them. But if if you if you're wrestling through, how do I deal with all the what's and whys of par- hardship in my life? They may be great people to talk to. Um, they would be great people to talk to um, because uh, sometimes you just need somebody who's a few laps ahead of you on a certain on whatever tra- route you're on that can kind of be help, help you point out the, the sign markers and the signposts of God along the way that you that maybe you're missing right now. So anyway. Most of the time I'm talking and whoever I'm talking to has their mouth open. So. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, thanks, Alan. Thank you very much. Thank you. So. And then uh, last one this morning is Randy. Is Randy up here, Randy Peach? And if you know Randy, um, Randy is uh, part-time works that are with our children's ministry downstairs. So you often see her downstairs. And lately, but not right now, you'll see her with a, a baby literally in tow. Um, and how old is your daughter now? She'll be seven months on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, Amelia. Yes. Yes, Amelia. And uh, her husband's Nathan. Is Nathan not here today? Is he working? He is yeah. sleeping. Oh, he's sleeping. It's his birthday he's a, today. It's his birthday? Okay. Nathan's a, a sheriff's deputy, so he worked all last night until like 7 this morning. So yes. so um, he gets a pass for missing church. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Randy, what, what brought you guys to Bloomington initially? How long have you been here? Um, Nathan has been here for eight years. He moved down here two years before we got married to work um, at the county for sheriff deputy. Um, And I moved down two years after that. So I've been here for about six years. We've been married for six years, so that's how long I've been here. And how long have you been part of Exodus? Uh, Six years. And then how long have you been doing this part-time role with kids ministry? Five years. Five years, okay. So, uh, anyway, um, what has God been, what's Jesus been saying to you lately? What's he showing you? What's he saying to you? What are your conversations with Jesus like? There's a lot. Okay. (laughs) Um, Like Matt said, I have a seven-month-old, and 
I work with kids all the time. Yeah, she has, tell us about your full-time job. So I'm a preschool teacher. I have 23 to five year olds, seven days a week. Um, so I do that full-time and then I do the church part-time. Uh, and, and in your spare time. I'm involved with Young Life um, uh, on their connection team, and I'm a part of the board at our school. And so I've got. You have a husband. You have a I've daughter. A, and I've okay. got a daughter now. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this season of life, the last seven months, has been very, um, very hard for me because I'm a go-getter, and I, I like to have a lot on my plate. And I like to have things chaotic because the more chaotic it is, the less I have to think about things. Um, and I'm a thinker as well. So uh, I can get wrapped up in things very quickly. So the more I have on my plate, the better um, is how I've always seen it. Uh, and I don't like go of things very easily either. So when I say I'm going to do something, it's that way until basically I fall flat on my face and I can't do it anymore. Um, which. Um, brings me to the season I am right now um, because with a seven-month-old, God has been teaching me since she was two months old that I've got a lot on my plate, um, that I can't be superwoman, and um, I, as, as well as having a lot on my plate, I like to do everything perfect. So if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. Um, and a good friend told me a couple of weeks ago that um, like the racehorses that jump over the, the bars, they can miss that first bar and it'll be okay. But if but I for don't you it's not jump okay. all the way over the whole thing, then it's not okay. okay. <laughs> um, so it's something that definitely God has been trying to um, just teach me that um, I don't have to be perfect at everything. But about two months after Amelia was born, um, I just got really overwhelmed, and I sat um, and journaled uh, a little while, and I just heard God say, write down the things that you're involved in, everything that you have a part in, and take something off. And I was like, no. And your list was probably really long. <laughs> yes, there was about 10 or, you know, 10 or so things. Um, and I wrote them all down, and I looked at the sheet, and I thought, there's nothing I can take off of this um, I enjoy everything. Um, you've given me the gifts of doing all of these things, and there's just poss there's nothing I can take off. Um, so after you know praying about it and just you know day to day conversations with God, which is just kind of in my mind that looks like you know traveling down the road and like in my mind saying, okay, this is what you asked me to do, but I'm gonna fight back and like. <laughs> Say there's nothing that I can take off. Um, now, just, now, now, stop for a second. How do you experience God talking to you? Is it like, a, would you describe it as an internal whisper? Do you see things? Is it just a, a, a strong sense that you can't shake? How do you yeah. experience when you feel like God's saying something to you? It's definitely like a strong sense that I can't get out um, of like, my head. Like that just guess that you can't shake the picture yeah. off of. Yeah, it just keeps on coming back. And like, like I said, it... I, I'm a visual person as well, so having it written out, and I, I even drew the circles, and like this is what I have um, on my plate, and um, and, and you I got just plates out in the kitchen. No, yeah. just kidding. No. <laughs> Not that so, much. so that's how you experience God through kind of the impression, strong impression. Even yeah, you, you help it, when you see things and let God see things. You can kind of kind of process with God together. Yeah, and it just it, it's reoccurring. It, um, I couldn't shake that feeling that God really wanted me to 
relieve something because um, I just felt emotionally drained and physically drained. Um, and I kept on thinking something else is going on, you know, I, I, need, I just need medication to, you know, make it all go away. And he, I just, this reoccurring thought was like, you have too much on your He kept bringing it back to the kept, list. Yeah, just back to the list. And so after looking at the list, I, I thought, okay, well, I'll eliminate small things, you know, things that aren't a huge deal, like um, once a month kind of things that I'm involved in. Um, and that should relieve some of the stress in my life. And um, after, you know, months of saying this is battling between whether or not that was what God was saying to me and um, whether or not that was the path that he wanted me to go, uh, he, it just kept on coming back to me. And I kept on thinking this is not big enough. Like I felt like God was saying this is not going to relieve the amount of stress that's in your life right now. Um, and being able to be a mother that I, you know, I'm not, this is my first child, so being a mom is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so after thinking about what else was on my plate that was bigger than just the one month, um, once a month kind of uh, uh, commitments I had had, um, something else came up that struck me very off guard, like caught me off guard, um, which was uh, the kids' ministry. Um, and that's, that's a, just again, that's like a 10 to 12 hour a week commitment, but it's weightier than that. It feels weightier than that. And yeah. so God kind of says, how about this? And you're like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I've been doing it for five years. Um, and I'm not someone to just be like stopping when I feel like this is something that God's brought me into and, um, he's given me the gifts to do it. And I love the kids, I love the people, um, and the interactions that I get every Sunday. Um, but it does take a lot of time. It is a part-time job, but there's um, between 40 to 70 volunteers um, that I, you know, uh, lead. And um, and then on top of that, all the kids. There's 50, 50 to 60 kids um, on a Sunday, and I do all the materials and get everything together. And it's just. And, and like you said, Nathan is at home sleeping, so he's typically on a Sunday morning away. Um, and if you see me at 9 o'clock, I have my baby strapped to me and then everything in my arm. And your work boots on and you're getting to work. And my work yeah. boots on, yes. Um, so God so, puts that in front of you. So how long was the conversation when you're like, no, I don't want to, and God said, yes, maybe so, no, I don't want to. Was that days, was that weeks? It was months. 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 Um, I, I wrote the list at two months when she was two months old. Um, I started thinking about it after that. Um, in about like five months, four months or five months, he he brought that to my attention, um, and it wasn't something that I wanted to listen to. Um, it's still so. What would you start emotional. doing? Go la 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 yeah. la. What do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's emotional for me because. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing it. It's something that I definitely enjoy doing, and I, I'm not one to, to stop doing something that I feel God has led me into. Um, but like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something that I feel like I am pushing beyond my limits. Um, and, uh, and I can't... I can't um, do on a Sunday what I used to do without my daughter, um, which is very 
hard for me to say <laughs> because and it's I, hard for your perfectionistic yes, self yeah because i can't because i think i can be superwoman like i can do this all um and um do everything that i did before i had a child and um god has um quietly told me that there has i've never been in this season of life where um i haven't had a lot going on where i, I need that middle ground where there's little bit going on, but not so chaotic that I'm running myself into the ground. So, so you're looking forward to a season of rest, and that's at rest compared to now. Yeah, and I'm still battling. You know, like I still feel like there's times where, oh, I can still do this. You know, like uh, if if Nathan comes on a Sunday morning and I <laughs> I have a little bit of a an, an extra arm, but... Um, and some extra caffeine or something like that. Yeah. So, so you felt like God was saying, and there, there was a point then where did you just say, okay? Or at, what was that with, the, with your whole body? Just, okay, you, okay, God, I'll let go of it. Or, um, or was it yeah. kind of a gradual thing where you just came to realize and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that's what I need to do? Yeah, it was a gradual thing. I think it's also, um, also for me, physically, just the draining that it... That, I have done for the next last you know yeah. seven months that I there has been multiple times in my life where I haven't stopped until I physically can't stop or can't do something and um, and I kind of feel like through the seven months I've just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing and so to some degree God even speaks which is true for a lot of people speaks even through your f- physical feeling it's like yeah. something's wrong here God something's off right and then God's like well I'm trying to tell you yeah Okay. So, so uh, we haven't all worked out the details yet, and this was the, the primary reason this interview with all these people was not letting this, Randy is going to be stepping away, probably like in a month or so we're going to transition. Um, but I, when, I, when Randy first told me this whole story of how God was telling her this, and I told her this this morning again, this is like... Uh, this is like textbook of how I think we listen to God. I'm not saying Randy's the textbook, but I was very impressed, and I am very impressed with the maturity that Randy showed where she's having this kind of ongoing wrestling match with God, not about a sin issue. It's not like God was saying, Randy, stop getting drunk every night, which she doesn't do. I'm not saying. But, you know, if, if, that's, if that's your issue and God's telling you to stop, you better stop, right? But there's things we have in life that are, are choices in our, in our realm of freedom and God gives us freedom. It wasn't like he said to you five months ago, stop, Randy, stop. And you're like, no, I'm not going to. It was God, God's gentle with us. He's like, well, here's, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? But I was, I've been really and am really impressed with the maturity which Randy has processed through that and, and is willing to let go of something that not, just, not, because, not, not that's hard because she loves it, but also knowing and being aware that yeah, I have this perfectionistic part of my personality but I know this is part of what God wants to let go because maybe that's part of he wants, he wants to heal. So the whole way in which she's told her story, and for that matter with Matt, Corey, and, and Alan, what it brings to mind is, again, when Jesus was telling the parable of the seed thrown on different kind of soil and what was receptive to the seed to grow, he talked about people with good and noble hearts. Not perfect and not noble in a kind of arrogant way, but all three of these people, and I'll just say this to affirm Rand as well, they are good and noble hearts, not perfect people. I mean, Randy already said, I know some of my weaknesses. But what God is looking for is people who, are, who will respond and say, I think God's planting a seed of something in me, and I need to nurture that and listen to what he's saying to me. 
So that's the whole sense of what, what we want. That's the kind of people we all want to be. And so the three I've had up here, again, none of them have clean, perfect, like pristine lives, but all of them have good and noble hearts. And that's the kind of people we want to be. So I'm going to thank thanks, Randy. And we'll have some other time in the next few weeks where we thank Randy for kind of what she's done with kids ministry. But thanks for your story and thanks for your uh, good and noble heart and maturity. Thank you. Why don't you, uh, if I want everybody to stand up with me, and if you would, as you stand, I'm going to close in prayer. I want you to hold one hand open in front of you. I'm not up high. I'm doing that high so you can see me, but just even waist height. And, uh, and I want to uh, just keep it open, and I'm going to pray this way. Jesus, we have our hands open, and we want to be people that when you reveal yourself to us, when you talk to us, we want to be people who have good and noble hearts, which means... We want the soil of our hearts that we now, in a sense, are holding in our hand to be rich soil, plowed up, so when you drop a seed, that it's going to sit there and sink in and be nurtured and watered and find the nutrients around that it needs so it grows. And God, when you said when it grows in us, it grows to produce an abundance of fruit in our life an abundance of joy in our lives, an abundance of freedom in our lives, an abundance of goodness and forgiveness and mercy and strength. That's the kind of people we want to be. So for those who are here this morning that are wrestling with seeds, that words you've dropped into their hearts and they don't know what to do with it, God, would you continue to help them to nurture what you've planted in them? And again, we're grateful for uh, the ways in which you've done that in Matt and Alan and randy's life and that is the kind of people we want to be god we want to be people who do whatever you ask us to do no conditions um but we know your goal always for us is our freedom and we ask this all in christ's name amen hey go ahead and have a seat uh we finish every week at access with communion and we do that again because and again see the picture here a little bit see the picture a little bit when jesus said that the supper before he died the night before he died and he's offering the bread and the cup as part of this religious festival this feast they were doing that we and we now know this is the passover meal or the last supper he gave them bread and gave them drink and there was some symbolism religiously for there but he said take and eat this is my body take and drink this is my blood in essence it's it's when our taking of it is we're taking it and we're allowing it to be planted inside of us, all right? No, there's not like some special word from God in the, in the bread or in the grape juice from Welsh's. But it's, a, it's, the, it's the picture of your body receiving the life of Jesus into you, which may mean Jesus is saying, you're open to Jesus saying things to you, and you're open to responding to him. Just like when Randy said, God, Jesus was saying something, and I, I was kind of pushing it back. I don't want to give that up. But yet there was, there was still in her a receptiveness, so I don't want to, but I will. I don't want to, but I will. So the, the standard for anybody coming to community today is not, it's not perfection, it's openness that if you're saying, as I open my mouth to eat and to, and to drink this, Jesus, I'm open to whatever you want to plan inside of me. I want to hear you, and I will do what you want me to do, because I know, Jesus, your goal for me is freedom. All right? So here's how we do it. Uh, Stephen and the others will come up and lead us in a few more songs. As we start singing, you're, you're invited to come up. There'll be people at the, that side, this middle, and right over there. We don't dismiss our rows. You just come up. So if you're new, I know there's some visitors here because of the holiday weekend. You just come on up. Anybody's welcome who will say to Jesus, I will do what you ask me. 
Perfection is not the standard. Responsiveness is. Willingness is. Um, op- uh, you offer the bread. Tear off the bread. Um, they'll offer you the cup. And how we do it here, just dip it in the cup. Dip your bread in the cup. And then most people eat it here. Some people take back to their seat. Um, whichever is fine. Whatever you uh, want to do there. This is all why we're saying. At the same time, over in the side room, underneath the backboard, the B sign over there, there would be people over there this morning praying for any of you. And maybe some of you specifically would just like somebody to pray that I just want to hear God. Maybe that's all you need to say. Somebody will ask you, what do you want, what do you want prayer for? What do, you want, what do you want Jesus to do for you? So you're welcome to go over there. Um, just have someone pray for you in that way and encourage you to do so. And maybe other issues that you want prayer for as well, and that's what that's for. And that's all at the same time. So it's a, um, in a sense in that way, it's kind of like this uh, holy three-ring circus with other things going on. But respond to God however he asks you to. All right? Jesus, we're grateful that you gave your body and your blood, and we're grateful that you did this, and in doing so, the Bible says you opened up, you opened up the curtains to a whole new way of us listening and responding to you and being friends with God because of what you did on the cross with your death and what you did three days later with your resurrection, and we're grateful. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.